0: Welcome back to the Physics of Faith podcast. I'm Tim. I'm Tommy, <laughs> and that is still alive. And uh, we are we are talking about Galatians. All right. So we've done Galatians one. We've done Galatians two. We've seen Paul kind of lay out this road map of how he was converted, who he was before, um, and now who he is in his conversion. How he basically only met the apostles like twice in a 17 year period. Yeah how he eventually goes to Jerusalem and talks to them about the gospel he's preaching, not because they asked him to, because God revealed to him in a revelation that he should go have this conversation. We see that there's a concern about legalists infiltrating the church to try to hinder the freedom of of those who are preaching to the Gentiles, and there's people that want them to act more like Jews, be like the law says you should be. Um, and even and, and Paul gets to the point where even Peter struggles to always live in the spirit and Paul confronts him for the good of of the people of, of Antioch at that which is where they were at that mm-hmm. time yeah and and kind of rebukes him and publicly expresses you need you you can't live this way um, and calls him out for hypocrisy so yeah um again and, and in that he, Touches on the crux of our salvation, which is that if we could be redeemed by the law, then Jesus died for nothing.
1: Yeah, there would be no reason for it.
0: Right. Yeah. All right. So in chapter three, we're going to kind of jump into uh, the faith, uh, or the righteousness that faith brings, and let's just read it. Here we go. Oh, and just uh, warning, Paul comes out strong here. <laughs> You're real strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Verse 3, this is the New American Standard. You foolish Galatians, who who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, so then how does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, therefore recognize that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For all who are of works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curses everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. Now that one is justified by the law before God, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous one will live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, the person who performs them will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as one would in referring to many, but rather as in referring to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. What I am saying is this, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise." Why the law then? It was added on account of the violations, having been ordered through angels at the hand of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, but God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Far from it. For if a law had been given that was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has confined everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being confined for the faith that was destined to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. All right. Well, that was pretty self-explanatory, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> I don't think we really need
1: to talk too much about that. Oh,
0: you guys got that. Let's just move on <laughs> to Galatians 4. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Paul comes out hard here at the beginning of Galatians, and he—honestly, they should expect no less because— <laughs> he. Well, yeah, considering you already did earlier. Yeah. He, yeah. And in chapter 2, he's like, I didn't spare Paul. I didn't spare Peter. Yeah. You know, like, I called him out, so I'm going to call you out here. But he accuses the people of Galatia uh, of being bewitched, or uh, another word for this would be bamboozled, to forget about Jesus. That bamboozled's a good word. Like that one yeah. isn't used enough. Bamboozled's a good one. We're yeah. bringing it back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Paul seems to be inferring that well-known men from Jerusalem came and tried to persuade them into works, and that's something that again we, we he's been setting this up. Like, look, there's there's this group. They've been trying to do this in Jerusalem. They're trying now here trying to do it here. They want you to be under the law, and they're trying to convince you, to bewitch you or bamboozle you into forgetting about Jesus Christ, um, which is um, something interesting. He's, he says, before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So again, are they like refuting that? Um, you yeah. know, Basically, they're trying to do what... Paul warned Peter about, mm-hmm. which is um, invalidate the need for Christ's cruc- crucifixion. Yeah, and <clears throat>
1: you know, Paul. Paul here, he's he's basically asking them simple questions that they can't answer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, where did, uh, did, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or be, by believing what you heard? Like, okay, right. you 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 got you have you have felt the Spirit. You you know the Spirit. The Spirit has come on you. Where did it come from? Did it did it come because you did all of these actual things, these physical things, these traditions? Did it come through that? Or was it by faith? Was it by simple belief and faith that Christ died on a cross for you? Where did the Spirit come from? Because yeah. if it did, then, yeah, you might have a point. But as we know and as they know, that's not where the Spirit came from.
0: It's not, no. And, and he continues on that line. He <clears throat> Like you said, he asked several questions here. Um, you know did, how did you receive the spirit? Um, where how are you being perfected? Also uh, all the suffering that's included in that um, was that in vain because mm-hmm. you suffered needlessly to live by faith. So now you're just gonna you know if you if you turn around then all that was for nothing. Um, one of the great ones here too is that are the miracles that you've witnessed were they accomplished by the law? Yeah right? Um, so, you know, these kind of proofs of the power of God, and they were forgetting that.
1: Yeah, and he even, I mean, he even relates this to the Old Testament. You, you, what you just said there, give, does God give you spirit, his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham mm-hmm. believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Like, we go all the way back to, the Old Testament to the original covenant that we're all talking about, right? And it wasn't that covenant; didn't become come through works, it but became through belief.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because he he compares what God said to Abraham to the law. Yeah, here and and we're gonna see a lot of um, inference to Abraham through three chapters, three and four. Yeah, um, but he, he kind of explains like the rewards of the law come by the law. But you're primarily just being cursed under the law because you can't truly perform the law. You can't fulfill it, right? And he, and he explains to that the law came through mediators, but there was no mediator between God and Abraham. Yeah. Right? And there was no law given. There was no condition given. Mm-hmm. He promised something to Abraham. Yeah. He did not give it to him conditionally. It was a promise. Right. And what Paul is asking them here is would you say that you can earn the promise that was given? Yeah. Or do you need to trust that God will fulfill his promise? Yeah. And like, is it by your power or is it by God's? Yeah. You know? um, Yeah. So again, um, the promise there uh, was that he was that uh, Abraham was told by God that all nations would be blessed in him. Um, which was, and when he heard that, that was the word, and then his faith grew, and then he was obedient to God. Right? Yeah. Um, so it is by faith that we are blessed, not by works. Um, when we then get into verses um, ten, like verses ten through twelve, again we're kind of seeing the difference. Like we're in the under the promise and faith in the promise, we're blessed. Under the law, we are cursed, right? Because the law reveals to us our lack of righteousness, mm-hmm. right? So if you try to perform the law, then you also must then live by the law. And remember, James talked about this a little bit, too, when he said, uh, his, his, he, basically, if you're under the law, you're subject to all of the law. Right. So you have to do all of it. And that's what Paul says here. Is he says, um, or is it? However, the law is not of faith. Uh, on the contrary, the person who performs them will live by them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he's basically saying the same thing James is saying. Like you're condemned by the entirety of the law.
1: Yeah, you're you're holding yourself. If if you are going to live by the law, the law is a really high standard. Yes. And if you're going to live by that law, then you have to fully fulfill it and do every piece of it, not what you pick and choose. Right. But because we don't have to live under the law, because we live under Christ Jesus,
0: it's almost easier. Right. <laughs> it, it kind of
1: what he, what he's saying.
0: Right. And it's interesting because like. There's some there's some interesting stuff here too, uh, with the curse of the law, and this one is hard for me to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. But and I hope I don't get this wrong. So you know what, do some study if you're listening to this, watching this. <laughs> try look up some study on this. I promise to do the same on my own. But he says here, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, "Curses everyone who hangs on a tree," in order that Christ Jesus, the blessing that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what's interesting here is if you're under the law, you're cursed because you cannot fulfill the law, but Jesus could. Yeah. So he wasn't cursed by the law. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to me that he takes on a different curse, which is that he was hung on a tree. Yeah. Right? Uh, It's almost as if to say... The payment of the law is to be cursed. Jesus had to receive the payment of the law, but we knew it was unjust because he did not break the law. Yeah, I
1: think – yeah, I I think you got it there. It's Jesus dying on a cross with – giving your life and dying was the only way to fully make that payment. Right. And – but because – Though those we we as individual, the, the, well, I guess at that point, they were cursed under the law is that they 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 could not fulfill that because they needed the law to, you know atone for their sins. they They had to make those sacrifices. They had to atone Anytime they sinned, they had all those sacrifices and all those rituals that they had to had to undertake and do to atone for their sins. Jesus was sinless. Right. Jesus didn't have to do that. So he did what they had to do, even when he didn't have to do it. He did it
0: for them in their place. And that's what we call substitutionary atonement. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then uh, Paul also quotes Habakkuk 2 4 here when he says that uh, it should be obvious that no one is justified by the law for. In Habakkuk, it says the righteous one will live by faith. So that comes out of Habakkuk two four. Mm-hmm. Again, Paul proving that he is the Hebrew of Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, everybody knows Habakkuk, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I saw this uh, this great meme uh, where it's the pastor says, "All right, church, open to Habakkuk," and then immediately begins reading, and then and then underneath it, it's Boromir from the Lord of the Rings going, "Give them a moment, for pity's sake." <laughs> right? Yeah, because because right.
1: everybody's Bible just flips
0: open right to Habakkuk, right to Habakkuk. like there's that natural crease. Yeah, that it I don't know where that is. <laughs> All right, uh, so um, so anyway, we continue through this um, that uh, ultimately Jesus is substitutionary atonement opens the promise of Abraham to the Gentiles because salvation is now through faith and not through a covenant with a specific people. Mm -hmm. Um, And he also um, kind of points this out, I think we get into this here in 15... Yeah, as we get into like 15 through 18 here, he kind of points this out that I think there there was a misconception that the promise that through Abraham's seed the world would be blessed... There was this misconception among the Jewish people that it was through their nation that mm-hmm. God would bless everyone through their nation. There's a level of truth to that, but Paul kind of points out, no, no, he said seed, not seeds. Yeah, you know, it is specific to one person, and that one person that would bless the nations that came from Abraham was Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't all of Abraham's descendants. It was
0: one individual descended right. from the line of Abraham. Exactly. So God makes this promise to Abraham, and 430 years later the law comes. And Paul's like a little lesson in patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So Paul's Paul kind of points this out and he's like, does does a law, does the law that comes 430 years later by a mediator, does that nullify the promise? Do is the promise now uh subject to conditions, or should we place conditions upon said promise? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. These are two different things. The law, while the law complements and sets us up for the promise, it is not the condition by which we are to live to inherit the promise. We inherit the promise through the nature of the fact that it is a promise of God.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it is it is the it is the faith and is the the faith and the understanding that God keeps his promises.
0: Yeah. Um and so it's it's also interesting here he he says that like so um you know why the law and we kind of get into verses 19 and and basically he says like here in 19 through 22 in short the law was a temporary pact to keep the israelites in check long enough for Jesus to come about. Like he he specifically says here It was added on account of the violations having been ordered through angels at the hand of a mediator. Um, And essentially, there's kind of an—it's kind of insinuated here that um, the Israelites would have probably destroyed themselves without this covenant, right?
1: Yeah, you know, something interesting. We talked about, you know, it says earlier the the seed that would deliver them wasn't all of Abraham but the one seed of Christ Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so here in verse 19, I don't know. I know you have an NSP, so yours might be translated a little bit. But mine says, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgression, transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. Yes. Seed is capitalized. Yes. Little little uh, language. Uh, language, uh, gr- grammatical kind of thing, a little hint there that's like, oh, yeah, yep. that, that is what that meant.
0: Yep. Uh, I think that's great. And there's uh, there's a few of those in this chapter, by the way. Yeah. Um, so that seed is capitalized. There's also a, a part here where he says the Scripture, it's in verse 22, the Scripture has confirmed, and he capitalized, and yep. we've got Scripture yeah, got capitalized, same thing. which is to indicate that the Word of God has confirmed mm-hmm. everyone understands So it's... Uh, yeah, so he's he's really showing the authority there when he starts talking about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then through verses 19 through 22, he also uh, makes the claim that law cannot impart life. You know, otherwise the law would have made us righteous. We are dead in law, and the law cannot change that, right? Yeah. This is, uh, And this is, again, we see this type of, of uh, verbiage, like Jesus even talked with this verbiage, of being born again, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So in the law, we are dead. It cannot bring us life. Really what happens here is the law, it reveals our sin and shows the need to have life imparted, which is what sets us up for a Messiah. So, all right. So then when we get to 23 through 29... What we see here is he talks about the law as being a custodian, um, and that custodian confined us or boxed us in until the time uh, the faith would be revealed. Um, Mm -hmm. So the law was intended to lead to Christ, not replace Christ or be the work of Christ, but to lead to him.
1: Yeah, I got chapter 24 says the law was our guardian until Christ came.
0: Yeah. uh Custodian Guardian basically um and we're going to see this continue in chapter 4. Um uh, but this kind of language of what children need, yeah, to be kept in line. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yeah, it's you know, we we look we look back at it as the the law is such a such a bad thing, such a um a hold hold you back kind of thing. But at the time, it was is what was necessary because yes. we didn't ha- they didn't have Jesus and they didn't have that freedom. Right. And so that that's why the law was there. Yeah. It was, it did- God doesn't give us things just willy nilly. You know, right. God doesn't God doesn't command. I think I said this in my sermon on Philippians. Like the law that God gives us, the commandments that He gives us are for our benefit. They're yeah. not like He doesn't say willy nilly. Hey, I just don't do this because I said so. It, it, everything is for our benefit, yes. and you know those those atonements, those sacrifices, those traditions, all of those things was so that God wouldn't was to atone for our own sins, right. and to um, you know to <laughs> repel God's wrath for committing right. all those, those sins.
0: Right, and it was always a temporary measure. It yeah. was never perfect, but it was necessary. Yeah, um, and it was what God set up to kind of get us to this point, um, I mean, it, like, as you just said, it's this was what was needed. And it's, it's not that it's bad. It's that when you try to accomplish the work of God through it, yeah. that's when it's bad. You're uh, it, trying trying
1: to do what Jesus did. You're always going to fall short by doing right. it. Right.
0: And as we get through more of Galatians, we're going to see the comparison of living by the law, versus living by faith and living in the Spirit. And this is kind of an interesting thing, is at this point, like when Jesus dies, he comes back and he says, now the Spirit will be imparted to everyone, right? So, yeah. And Paul talks about how when you've accepted Christ, you you are clothed in Christ and you've received his Spirit, right? Yeah. And so that Spirit is with you always, right? Um, think about the people in the Old Testament who were under the law. Mm-hmm. It was under special circumstances that the Spirit came upon them. Yeah. Right? Before Christ, the Spirit was a thing that, like, the the moving of the Spirit was something that only came conditionally or on the right occasion. Yeah. But that same Spirit now resides in us forever, Mm because we've accepted Christ. And I think what's interesting about that to me is it's by that Spirit we are able to fulfill... Or live in obedience to God and do the things He's called us to do. Yeah. But until we have that spirit, we are just doing our best. And that's what the law is. We're kind of faking it till we make it at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, So again, we see that we become justified by faith in Christ. And once that happens, as we were saying, we're no longer under the custody of the law, but instead we are led by the Spirit. Again, we're going to get into that more in the second half of Galatians. Um, uh, If we are baptized into Christ, we are clothed in Christ, as just said, and we are now sons and daughters of God. And this is probably one of the more famous – this is where we start getting into the more famous, more quotable verses in Galatians Mm -hmm. is when we get into verse 28. Uh, after he says, we have closed ourselves in Christ, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to the promise. So in Christ, you have, um, you have that promise that was given to Abraham of salvation.
1: Yeah, my translation uses the word seed to kind of tie that all in together. Yeah. Um, but a lowercase seed, you know, right. it is, you are, we are we are descendants of Abraham, all one, but all one in Christ. And it doesn't matter whether you said male, female, Jew, Greek, we are one in Christ under as descendants of Abraham.
0: Yeah, Paul had a great way with words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, this is, again, this is like, we hear this a lot. Uh, This gets quoted a lot. You're neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. I I hear this come up a lot more in conversations around male or female, uh, you know, with the complementarian and egalitarian conversation. But Mm -hmm. uh, when Paul's talking about this, I think the Jew nor Greek is one of the things that really, in contextually was the bigger deal here with the Galatians was, you know, the legalist wanted them to live like Jews under the law. Yeah. He's like, well, you're not, you're not Jew. You're not even a Gentile. You're in Christ. Yeah. Right. We use these labels and it's not that, it's not that we lose our heritage, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's interesting. C.S. Lewis had this quote uh, in Mere Christianity where he talks about, uh, you know, we sometimes assume that to put on Christ is to lose who we are. Yeah. And he said, that's not true. It's, but it's uh, it's not until we are unconcerned with losing who we are that we're able, yeah, to put on Christ, and it's through Christ that we are truly who we are. Yeah, you know. So take that for what you will. Go read that book.
1: Well, yeah, you are a yeah, and I I, I haven't I have I've heard so many great things about. It. I haven't read Mere Christianity yet, but it's on my list of about seventy-seven things to read. But um, you know what what Paul's saying there is that you are. You are we you are a you are one in Christ before anything else. you yes. are a follower of Christ before anything. you are Christ's child before you are a male or a female or yes. a Jew or a Greek, but because you are Christ's child, because you are God's son or God's daughter, God's daughter, he made you that
0: yes, yeah, absolutely. And just because you're a Gentile does not mean you have any less right to the promise Mm -hmm. that god made yeah you don't have to convert to be a different culture yeah you are you have to convert to be of christ Mm -hmm. and that's the conversion that we're concerned about so yeah all right well that's galatians 3 um some pretty heavy stuff some some pretty uh yeah, Paul is, uh, Paul is a great writer, uh, which is sometimes challenging for us because uh, we don't really live in a time of great literature. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: uh, we're, or cer- certainly not letter writing. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. always, hey, here's a text message. That's right. Stop doing that. I can't even write out the full words <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So anything else about there relations? There, there, there were emojis in Paul's day. You had no. to explain it all out. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, I'm waiting for the emoji translation.
1: That would be something. Yeah, no, nothing to add. I think it's it's all great and we will be back next time. and you talk about how chapter one goes right into chapter two, three and four the same way. It's yeah, very there's there really is no break there, just the chapter, so
0: absolutely. All right, we'll see you with chapter four.